Everyone has a relationship with gender. What's your story? Hello and welcome to Gender Stories with your host, Dr. Alex Yantafi. So hello and welcome to another episode of Gender Stories, dear listeners. It's been a while since we talked about voice and singing and music, and so I am so excited to introduce you to Rascal Miles. Um, he's a singer-songwriter, has got a wonderful new video out that just came out, Baby Baby. has got a whole album tailor-made that you can find on Spotify, I think. And don't worry, in the episode description, you'll have the link tree to all the wonderful places where you can find this music and where you can follow them. But for now, welcome to Gender Stories. It's so good to have you here, Rascal. Oh, wow. It's so good to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so maybe let's talk about the video that just came out, you know, that literally just came out on Friday and it's Monday today. So it's really yeah. fresh. <laughs> wow. I feel like it's been three weeks since Friday, but yeah. <laughs> that, I feel like that's all of 2021. Is it three days? Is it three weeks? Is it three months? Oh. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. No idea how to keep track of time anymore. <laughs> So yeah, tell me like about what's, you know, let's talk to the listeners about what's the video about, what's the song about, what inspired you to kind of release the single into the world. Yeah, I uh, I actually wrote Baby Baby about a year ago when I started chatting with my now partner um, of the year. <laughs> and um, yeah, the pandemic had been happening for a couple of months at that point, And I was living alone in a, a basement studio apartment. And, uh, you know, just just making music nonstop. And I had these like sound panels that I had built that I put in my windows. So if I didn't literally walk outside my door, I didn't see sunlight. And so it was just such a weird, isolated experience. And um, yeah, then I, I started, you know, chatting with this person and I just had this explosive energy that I didn't know what to do with like my my knees were bouncing all the time I was like just like a little kid again you know just so much energy and enthusiasm and um eagerness and I just I uh yeah I just picked up the guitar one day and channeled all that energy into what is now the song baby baby and um yeah I don't think I stopped playing that song until it was done being written which was probably like six hours later but I just I just kept going I was like what is what's the most clever way that I can think of to say these really cliche like feelings you know that that you tend to hear in the same ways uh over and over again in typical love songs and so I don't know I just wanted to find a way to make it fun again and um yeah so that's that's how that got written Mm-hmm. I love the song and I feel like a lot of the imagery in the song feels very queer to me. It feels yeah. like a queer love song, you know, and and, yeah. um, and I wonder if that was part of your intention, because like you said, that it definitely has that new relationship energy feel. Uh-huh. Uh, and how do you say things that have been said a million times, right? But there is like a, also like a queer love energy to the song. So was that very intentional? Did that just spontaneously sparkle out of you? How did that happen? 
Yeah, I think the the spontaneous sparkle was definitely there. Um, I uh, I don't know. I I tend to write music that's that's pretty pretty sad, um, or you know comes from trying to transform pain into something else that's like maybe empowering or something. And so this was my little song of like being free from all that and just like harnessing that joy that was all from this this like queer romance um and yeah I I just I don't know I felt almost like a little pop star you know it was so fun I was like just bouncing around and I I just like I couldn't help it and then as soon as I uh as soon as I finished writing it I went to my practice space where I had my drums set up and that's when I was like, all right, I got to I got to have a beat that goes like this. That feels just really, really like catchy. And so yeah. I love it. It is very catchy. It is very pop song. Which I was like, yeah, this is just such a sweet, queer, <laughs> poppy love song. And mm-hmm. in a way, it is a little bit different from your previous album, Taylor Made. So maybe let's talk about that album, because that album feels uh, like it's part of a very personal journey in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. totally yeah so so these are both they're gonna end up being on the same album but so far i'm just putting out like a one single at a time every few weeks basically Mm -hmm. so i'm just kind of teasing people like all right here you go i I see what you're doing yeah so uh which i've never done this approach before with how to release um singles so it's it's new to me but um yeah that basically the taylor made the album is gonna be uh like a timeline of my life starting from like there's a prequel song and then it starts with like my birth and mm-hmm. then it just goes throughout like adolescence into my adulthood and um you know transforming all of the <laughs> the feelings and experiences associated with gender um and so with that content, most of it is pretty serious. And uh, so I don't know, it was just it was just fun to me to be like, well, having a happy love song like this is it's an act of rebellion. It, <laughs> you know, it's like revolutionary to be able to just say like, all right, in this moment, I am myself and I don't have to have it have anything to do with anything else except being me. <laughs> so. And I love that. I love that there is that moment of joy and romance, right? I know that yeah. when I work with a lot of uh, trans youth or trans adults, even people have all these doubts of like, will my kid be loved? Will I be loved if I, you know, don't conform to this rigid ideas of the gender binary, right? Yeah. It's even more than queerness, I think that anything that doesn't fit into kind of a more rigid gender binary feels almost like a threat to our capacity or ability to be loved or to be lovable. And mm-hmm. so it's so wonderful that there is this little pop new relationship energy explosion of baby, baby. And I don't know if you've ever encountered those feelings either within yourself or other people around you or, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, I grew up in a, a small town in a conservative state. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I went to youth group. I I was very much so taught by society and the people I was around that um, being queer or trans 
any anything was um yeah anything outside of the binary was just a a ticket to hell basically um so it took a long time for me to be able to find that acceptance not only socially but like within myself Mm -hmm. um yeah I think there's just a lot of a lot of stuff that that you are taught to bury from a very early age that takes a lot of unlearning um to actually be able to apply inward I, I find it's it's a lot easier to apply that acceptance to anyone else but like to unlearn those things that are just so deep-rooted um yeah that yeah, makes so, sense so making mm-hmm. this song was just like haha <laughs> here i am i've done it like, exactly like a, yeah it's just so freeing you know mm-hmm. it's yeah. like not only uh you know there is love there's love in the pandemic where a lot of people were feeling really isolated yes. and lonely which is amazing oh, what was so it like much. to I mean, I want to go back to gender, but what was it like to have this romance blossom yeah. right in the middle of a pandemic? Oh, I can't even tell you. It was like such a gift. I, I don't know. I was feeling pretty down before that, which I'm sure so many people can relate to. But um, yeah, I was I was feeling down. I was also just really bored and really lonely. And um, yeah, I mean, we met on Tinder. I mostly was just looking for people to chat with because, you know, wasn't really trying to go meet anybody but um I guess they say when you're not looking for it is when when it happens right so um yeah I mean my partner was in Texas at the time visiting family and so we basically just would send each other audio messages like using the voice memos app which is my favorite app ever uh but yeah we got to know each other very slowly through just hearing our voices it was almost like leaving messages but in this other way where I don't know it's it's like really cute like we would send each other two or three minute long messages and then I realized later we were both taking notes while we were (laughs) listening to the messages so that we could like not miss any little thing and like we just had this enthusiasm for each other right off the bat that just it just it just kept going and I remember we had our first date was a zoom call and uh, I was so nervous. I called my sister beforehand and I was freaking out. I was like, I don't know what to wear. Like, and this is going to be so awkward. I've never met anyone, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, meeting for the first time for a date over a Zoom call. It was so strange. But uh, I put on my shark onesie because I thought, you know, this will make me feel comfortable and be funny. And it, it worked great. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously it worked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I love that. I love that the message in there and also in the song is very much like just if you're relaxed and you're yourself, that there mm-hmm. will be somebody that you can connect with from that really authentic place in a way. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Ah, what a beautiful queer love story. So <laughs> going, going back to the old concept of TaylorMade and kind yeah. of this kind of the story of your life in a, in a lot of way, but also through the lens of gender. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. In, does it feel like writing those songs is also a way of unlearning all those internalized messages about who you should have been or should be um, and really kind of finding who you are? Is that part of that process for you? or? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I really knew that when I started it, um, but after listening to these songs over and over again with um, getting the production just right and uh, 
as I'm typing out promotional emails to people and, you know, I have to sum up these songs in a few short sentences that are going to catch people. I'm realizing like how much they've actually meant to me and um, really just helped me like zoom out of my own experience enough to, to make sense of what I've been through. Um, it's really been quite healing and empowering. And I think to do it, in this way where each song is a different phase of my life, um, like a different age bracket, if you will. It's been great. I mean, it's been difficult, but going back to childhood memories and trying to make sense of those and how I just, I mean, I have things from that time that still affect how I interact with people today. And so, you know, being able to see, <laughs> to see just what I've been through and be able to find ways to to love that little kid who who had no idea that it was like I don't know I just I didn't I didn't come out until so much later in life and um yeah it's just it's just been really powerful for me I feel like I've been able to like I said earlier just take all of all of these things I didn't understand at the time and then in making this album I'm I'm like transforming all of that and all the pain associated with it, all of the challenges and the struggles that like, I just couldn't make sense of like why things were so hard for me. Uh, and then transform them into like, Hey, <laughs> hi, this is who I am. And I'm really proud of it. Mm-hmm. I love that in a way it feels like almost you being able to take a time machine, right? Yeah. And be able to really revisit those moments in your life. And I wonder if there are messages in the songs that you've written that you wish that little kid, like you said, that the little kid or the teenager had at different points in your life. And if so, what are some of those messages that you really kind of uh, sewn into the songs that you wish you had when you were younger? Yeah, I think um, just just validation is is one of them. Um, just the, even the the younger songs, being able to say like, these are the things I was thinking at that time that I didn't tell anybody. Mm. Like <laughs> you know, like uh, just being able to just say them now, to be able to like say like. I locked myself in the bathroom and I got a pair of scissors and I cut my hair short. And this is why I wanted to do that. You know, like at the time I was six years old and I didn't really like (laughs) have any understanding of gender or anything. And I just knew I wanted to be Peter Pan and that was it. Like, (laughs) and Peter Pan has short hair and so you cut your hair. Yeah, exactly. I was like, duh. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, messages for younger kids. Just, yeah, be yourself. Like, be, it's just the life and society and your your peers or, you know, just going out into the world, oftentimes it, it tries to put you into the boxes that it wants you to be in. And um, basically you spend a whole bunch of time doing that and fighting with like who you are on the inside versus how you're supposed to perform. Right. It's all a performance. And, um, and that's such a strain and it makes it so you don't know how to trust yourself. Um, you don't have confidence in, in knowing 
what you want and that really messes with your head so like I don't know I just feel feel like me at eight years old I knew exactly who I was and that's who I've come back to after like you know 25 years have gone by so I uh just (laughs) there's hope out there there are other places where you can you can find to be yourself even if you're not there yet so yeah find find the art that's giving you space and hang on to that in the meantime that would be my advice I love that I love that find the art that gives you the space and it sounds like music is the art for you that's yeah. giving you the space to explore that's okay that's that's just your dog it's all good thank you yeah she's she's very she's like the cutest dog ever she was in the music video that's right it's the same dog but yeah. in the music video oh, yeah yes. Very yeah. cute. Yes. <laughs> Look at that. So, I got a coffee delivery. Too. I know. I was going to say there was a coffee delivery as well. That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Bonus <laughs> coffee delivery. I love it. <sighs> so, in a way, kind of music has been that place for you to find yourself and that space yeah. where you could be yourself, right? When did you start making music or writing songs or having that space for your art? Like, how old were you and how did you find that space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love this question. It's so fun for me to, to, again, like to look back and realize like what music, why music is such a thing for me. It's just always been the one thing that I've been drawn to. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I started singing when I was six when I was in first grade. Um, yeah, we, I remember being in music class and I was so shy. I got made fun of constantly on a Uh, you know because of the haircut and uh I had these huge glasses and so it was just yeah my mom was a teacher at my elementary school there was like no winning for me right and um (laughs) and so yeah my music teacher just had all the kids one by one sing this line for this solo for for a play a school play and um I was dreading it I I wanted to run out of the room because I didn't want to have to do the the audition or whatever well it got to be my turn and like the entire room just kind of fell fell silent and everybody looked at me like what the heck like (laughs) you can do that and I I had no idea what good singing really meant you know so it was a surprise to me too that I got such a positive response and so from a very early age that sort of became my my one thing that I had respect for um and so singing lessons, music lessons, piano happened. And then I would say when I was 10, I finally convinced my parents to let me get an electric guitar. It was like the best day ever. I was so happy. Um, I took lessons for a year and then I just started writing songs after that. That was kind of it. I, um, I didn't really understand processing feelings or emotions. Um, very much for a really long time actually I think I'm still kind of learning how to do that (laughs) but uh yeah I think that music and being able to both write words that then went with you know playing guitar and singing it just it was a way for me to make sense of what I was feeling because I could I could make these sounds and then Oftentimes that would happen before I really understood what it was even about. It was like the song would happen and then I would listen back to it and be like, oh, that's what I'm feeling. 
So, yeah, it's just always been my outlet. I love that. It's such an embodied way of processing, right? It's mm -hmm. like externalize it through the music, through the sound, and then going, oh, now that makes sense, right? That yeah. is part of your process very much, yeah. Yeah. Now, some trans and queer musicians um, have a lot of uh, worries about kind of being pigeonholed or being seen as the trans and or queer musician, right? Mm -hmm. And here you are um, working on this album that is really about this journey mm -hmm. and gender is a big part of that journey. How do you mm -hmm. feel about that, that issue that's often brought up with trans artists and queer artists? Yeah, I definitely get it. Um, I think that currently with this album, I'm like, my goal is for it to be about that. I mean, it's just, it's the subject matter. I'm, I'm getting these messages out on purpose. You know, I, I'm doing this because I'm hoping that there will be kids in other places who can accidentally find it or, you know, whatever. And then it can be a safe space for them to go or like somebody who can validate their, their innermost feelings that they can't talk to anybody about yet that's that's why I'm doing it um so I don't mind being pigeonholed for this particular album though I will say that you know <laughs> so much of of the art that I make isn't just about that so I think for future projects I I'm not going to be marketing it as I'm a trans musician I'll be like no I made this new album yeah. It's about that, this, you know, maybe it'll be about climate change. Maybe it'll be about whatever. And that will be the thing that I, I target. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a huge part of who I am and I'm really proud of it. So, you know, <laughs> to be, to be pigeonholed or typecast, so to speak is if I'm the one in charge of that, that's one thing, you know, mm -hmm. but if that's all people are giving me attention for, and it's not because of this album, then that's another thing. Absolutely. That makes sense. Are there other themes that are recurring in your music? I mean, you've been writing music for a very long time <laughs> yeah. uh, since you were like in middle school or something. Mm -hmm. So are there recurring themes that come up in your in your music or things yeah. that you like to explore for your songs? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I'm thinking about that a lot more these days because I do have a lot of newer songs that I can't wait to record and put out. Just, you know, I've been working on this album for a over a year now so I'm I'm like so ready to do new stuff but um I I think a lot of it is about capitalism uh and just these systems that exist that uh a lot of the time we don't even question or pay attention to so that's that's a big one um I usually weave that in I don't even know I'm doing it sometimes. And then I'm like, oh, yep, there it is. There's that thing that's uh, always present. But um, yeah, climate stuff is definitely going to be a focus moving forward. Um, and I think just, just feeling emotions, just, you know, any kind of emotions, like longing or, you know, any of that or, or like uh, also the element of home figuring out mm -hmm. what your home is that's a big one uh yeah feeling comfortable in your skin it doesn't have to just be because of gender you mm -hmm. know just fi finding out how to love yourself that's a 
it's a journey that I've been on for a long time. So I think it's coming out quite a bit. Um, yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, all those things are connected, right? I mean, exactly. it's not it's like capitalism doesn't want us to love ourselves. If we love ourselves, we don't buy anything. So, right. you know, there's a vested interest in people not actually loving themselves under capitalism. Right. I mm-hmm. am. And of course, you know, there's so much more to say about how it's linked to climate change. How it's linked to like trans and queer experiences. But yeah. Oh, sobriety, too. Oh, right. So, so much. Yeah. So how do you track that thread of like capitalism? Like when was the first song that you wrote? And then you were like, that is actually, that is about this big topic of capitalism. But because often we write, you know, we write poems or songs or mm. books. And then we're like, oh, this is what I was exploring all along. You know, that process that you described. I can't really think of the first one. Or one of the first that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. I oh, I gotta think about that. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, no, it's okay. It's I don't know. I could tell you about a recent one where it happened and it surprised That's me. Great. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a so so last October I wrote a little EP in like two weeks time and I recorded it and I put it out and it's called Songs for the Graveyard and oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it's yeah it's just got like six Halloween songs on there. Um, which you could listen to. And if you didn't look at the titles, you wouldn't necessarily know they were Halloween songs. But uh, yeah, it, it was kind of funny. It was like the skeleton one. And then there was another song that I haven't released yet that I, I've been working on since then. And um, at first it was about how I have a hard time relating to people. Uh, like if I'm at a party or you know some or even just going to a show or something like I I get significant social anxiety that I used to just (laughs) manage with alcohol but since I'm now not drinking anymore uh which has been great but it does mean that anxiety is almost like a brand new thing I have to learn to handle Mm -hmm. um and so that's what I started writing this song about and then by the end of it I (laughs) It, it just, I was like, oh my God, it's so much bigger than that. <laughs> just, it ended up being all about capitalism. And yeah, I mean, how you're just not, um, I don't know, being an artist too, like it, it's really hard to, to um, convince yourself that you have value when you're in a system that does not value art. So that comes out a lot too. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if I answered your question, but <laughs> oh, I, I think you did. And and I think that's the other thing, right? Trying to survive under capitalism when you're just creating content. It's mm-hmm. pretty much impossible in my experience. Sometimes we're like, oh you've got books out. And I was like, yes, they you you get paid very little from the publisher when you have a book out and you can sell mm-hmm. thousands of copies and get like, you know, maybe a couple of thousand dollars if you're lucky, you know, or it's more like hundreds in royalties often. Right. And I think folks don't know just how little kind of artists of any kind kind of can rely on their art for Mm -hmm. survival. And Mm -hmm. what's that like for you to kind of manage surviving under capitalism and being the prolific um, singer songwriter that I think you are, you have quite a bit of music out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, before the, pandemic I I had a day job since I was 
you know, probably 15 with a couple, couple moments of a break, like when I was in college. But besides that, I've, I've pretty much had a day job the whole time. And then the, the pandemic happened and I, the timing worked out for me in terms of unemployment and creativity. So um, I basically just, just have been working nonstop at my music so that I can hopefully, you know, build enough to uh, hit the ground running. <laughs> just, you know, now things are opening again. So I'm like, all right, cool. Hopefully I can book enough of the right types of shows and also make enough merch and sell the merch. And it's all that. But then it's also like, uh, I don't know, getting used to being performative again is is exhausting. And um, it's also like the marketing aspect of, of things just reminds me of consumer culture. And so it's like, it's, it's really challenging. You know, you talked about content earlier and a a big part of how people find music these days is through the internet and through social media platforms, which I've done a lot of research on and I've pushed myself to, to get better at, but I don't enjoy it. Not even one little bit do I enjoy it. And um, it's just, it's really difficult. It's difficult to keep up all those other aspects of things. And then by the time I get those things accomplished, I I have a hard time tapping into my creative energy again. And so it's, um, there's a lot of times when I think, wow, like, would it be easier to have a day job? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it often feels like it's hard to win, you know, but um I just, I just love music so much. It's all I want to do all the time. (laughs) I'd rather eat PB and J sandwiches like for a month than have to do anything else. So, (laughs) uh, you know, I'm hustling, (laughs) do what I got to do. That makes sense. And, And that's the thing, right? Doing all that social media hustle, it's like so different than creating your art rather than making music. And like you said, it's, it is a job and it is exhausting. And then, um, you need to do so much upkeep. It's not. It's not easy Mm-mm. at all, Mm-mm. and it's not as simple as like just put your content out there and people find it. I think people have this notion that it's yeah. that easy. I'm like, no, it takes a lot to maintain all your platforms. Yeah, it's so much work. It really is. I mean, I'm doing the work myself right now. That you know, successful musicians have full teams to do. Yeah, and I'm doing all of it myself. Exactly. I ha- I have a mixing engineer and a mastering engineer and that's it. So it's like, it's so much work. (laughs) People have no idea. I mean, there's, God, I, I work every day, like 10, 12 hour days, easy, you know, and I love it. I love what I'm doing except for the social media stuff. But even then it is, it is nice to like interact with other people. It it Mm -hmm. feels like there's a connection aspect there that is enjoyable. So yeah, but, um, it's a but lot social, to manage. It is a lot to manage, and especially with the anxiety piece that you talked about right. earlier, because you never know what you're going to find on the social media platform in terms of feedback. Sometimes it's lovely and nourishing, and there's mm-hmm. also just a, a rising tide, it feels like, of hate, especially yeah. towards trans folks and trans content creators. And I wonder mm-hmm. if you've come across some of that and if that's partially what makes it so hard that you never know, like, 
what people are going to say that's got nothing to do with your music and more to do with the content in terms of yeah. who you are and talking about things that some folks have a lot of negative feelings about. I don't know if that's happened for you at all or not so much. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I try to have a protective layer. This is something mm-hmm. my therapist has been helping me with, but like, you know, I have this little boundary for myself and it's not easy to keep up all the time, but just with good feedback and with negative feedback, I can't let that affect what I find, um, you know, has worth in what I'm doing. Like what I'm creating is good enough because it's good enough for me. Right. And that's it. And if, if there's, if there's some trolls out there who are saying really awful things, you know, (laughs) screw them. Like I, I find often people who are really hateful. It's, it's usually because of fear or a lack of education. You know, I can zoom out. I don't need to take those things personally. It's not about me. <laughs> like, it, you know, obviously people should probably do something more useful with their time or like read a book or something. But, you know, usually it, that comes from just just not really understanding it. And bummer for them, right? Mm-hmm. So... Absolutely. I love that. That sounds so healthy, that kind of zooming out and going, this is not about me. It's about no. them. I completely agree. And but also having what I've heard you talk about, which I love that boundary of like, mm-hmm. what you're producing is good enough. It's because it's what you're producing. It's yeah. I often tell myself, it's not my job, you know, as a writer to judge my own writing. Other people yeah. can do it. That's what an editor is for. And then that's what readers are for. They're either going to buy or not buy the book. But my job mm-hmm. is not to judge my own I mean obviously a certain level of judgment but not decide if it's good or bad I was like that's not my job that's the job of the people who read whatever I'm writing and well and like once you once you like release something it's not yours anymore right It, it becomes something brand new because it's what you've given but then it's also combined with someone else's experiences and thoughts and imaginations right like no one is gonna take the same book the same way right or the same song like the same way as someone else so it's it's I don't know I love that and something that um that my friend Esme Patterson said to me one time is she was like she was like think about this (laughs) when you listen to music that you love how often do you get to tell that person that you love it like never right so there's probably a lot more people who like your stuff than are even able to tell you. <laughs> so I, you know, I've got this like a ima- imaginary group of people who are just really loving it all the time. And, you know, <laughs> and, and I think that imaginary group of people is real somewhere on the internet, right? There are people who are listening to your things and would probably be like, too anxious even to let you know on social media or to say anything or to, and so that group is, is real actually, of people who are out there and who are loving yourself. Talking about your listeners, kind yeah. of uh, listeners of your music, what is it that you want them to take away from your music the most, right? What what would be like, if somebody was talking about your music and what it meant to them, what mm. would you wish for? Um, 
I think that I think I just would would wish that you know maybe they would say something about it making them feel something or be able to relate or um you know find something that just just made made them have this like honest kind of connection that they didn't really see coming or something i i don't know i guess it sort of depends on the song but yeah i i put a lot of emphasis on my lyrics i think um it's been fun to since i just started like recording myself um when the pandemic started it's been fun to do all the instrumentation and all of that and figure out all right what what do i sound like as an artist now like what is my sort of signature stuff that I'm going to try to do mm-hmm. um, every time and whatever. So it'd be great if people commented on the music and the arrangement and those types of things that really, really it's in the, the poeticism and the, the words and how there's, they're just, they're coming from this raw, vulnerable, honest space that is really just, I'm just trying to be authentic and like give other people like the courage to to take that space for themselves so yeah representation in media right like we need more of it so Mm -hmm. i love that i love that kind of authenticity the vulnerability that's 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 what you know and i think that's so present in your lyrics even um songs from the graveyard right it's like you'd think that because you're kind of in a way, speaking from different perspectives of different characters, but it still feels so vulnerable, so personal, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a quality and the skill in that that's kind of amazing. Thank you so much. I had the best time writing that album. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. I, I like stepping into the other characters, kind of, it gave it a little bit of separation from just my direct personal life, right? So I got to take the things I was feeling and just be somebody else which kind of like it, it, it having that distance between me and this, you know, made up character that I was stepping into and almost made it fun um, in a way. Cause I, I was like, there was an element of pretending, but it was like, Oh, cool. I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> uh, I, I did wonder where the idea came from. It's such a neat idea. And like, how did you even come up with it? Yeah, I, um, (laughs) well, Halloween was, it was like just barely October. And I had planned to do this songwriting challenge with, with Esme that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And, um, she's been, we've been doing like a weekly mentor, music mentorship thing for about a year now. And, uh, so we, every now and then we'll do these songwriting challenges where you write a song every 30 minutes for like 12 hours. It's, it's a wild ride, but, um, that's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So we did that. And I was like, what the heck am I going to write about? Like, how am I going to do this? I'm going to come up with like a new topic every 30 minutes. Right. And that's kind of the skill that you're practicing building. Um, but I was like, Oh, what if I, what if I have some kind of a theme to it? And so I just, I was like, Oh my God, Halloween characters, let's do it. Let's get weird and like silly and I don't know make something different than everything I've done before and just I was listening to The Cure and like Joy Division a lot um my partner made me this really good like post-punk new wave playlist that I was just listening to non-stop at the time so I was like 
oh, I'm gonna get get into my like silly synth sounding stuff and yeah that was it I just I was like all right what character haven't I thought of let's just go with it and then the next day I was like I think I came up with some really cool ideas I'm gonna like finish some of these and that was it that is so awesome and I I think it also speaks to the skill of just uh, owning your art because you're an artist, right? That's yeah. uh, one of my friends, Donald Langstrom Reese, talks about how being an artist is creating art because you have to. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if nobody sees it or listens yeah. to it or reads it. You just have to just practice your art, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that that's the example, right? There you were practicing your art and following this challenge yeah. and boom, there's this concept and here's the whole kind of EP that comes out of it. Yeah, that was <laughs> kind of like the idea behind it because I think there's this myth with artists and musicians and all, all of them it, it, and it's that you you have to wait until the inspiration strikes. No, no, you don't. You, you absolutely can wait a long don't. time. Yeah, you, you can wait a long time, right? Really what that is is just like you're, you're like self-critical stuff getting in your own way, at least in my case. Um, and for a long time, too, I thought, oh, well, if I'm not like, you know, if I haven't had enough drinks, I probably won't be able to tap into that. And that is also a huge myth. And so um, this particular songwriting exercise is like, you know you just have to find anything any spark you just look for it you're like okay what am I what did I just look at all right well let's go off of that whatever and you just have to you just go so quickly that your editing brain can't interfere um because there's no time for it exactly (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. you can always criticize it and hone it later but yeah it's just the kind of actually the art of creating and practicing that I love it and I I love that the idea of also like you don't have to be under the influence necessarily to Mm-mm. create, which is very much in the mythology, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like stoking a fire, right? You just got to keep it burning. You just keep, keep trying, you know, you're not supposed to like everything you make. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Right. But mm-hmm. if you write 10 songs, you might like one of them. Exactly. And it might spark an idea for another one. Right. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah. Just letting yeah. it take you somewhere. You don't have to be in control all the time. That's like such a good message for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I feel like I could have this conversation for a long time, but I want to yeah. be respectful of your time. And so one of the questions I always ask uh, towards the end of an episode is, is there anything that I haven't asked you about or that we haven't talked about that you were open to kind of cover or talk about or kind of a message that you want to leave the listeners with yeah um I don't know this is such a fun conversation I'm like loving it but uh yeah following me on Spotify is always very helpful um because that's that's how the music industry works these days it's all about streams and um that's it's changed a lot in the past couple years so that's uh that's helpful and then i have an album pre-order available now uh turns out vinyl takes a really long time to make um especially right now so this will really help me know how many people um want one when i get it so yeah and that'll help me uh finish finish this record and 
get on to the new stuff that I can't wait to talk about. So <laughs> I know I love our kind of vinyls and tapes have um, mm-hmm. come back around. I'm I'm old enough. I'm like I'm 50 and I'm like <laughs> My teenager is really into vinyl at the moment and she's got yeah. like a little cassette recorder. And I'm like, what is even happening? I know. I'm going to uh, make tape, tapes too. I can't wait to make the tapes. Yeah. yeah. And people are really into tapes. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is amazing. It's, um, yeah. yeah, we're talking about getting a turntable again because she really wants to get vinyls. And my yeah. partner's like, I got rid of so much vinyl. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I know it's such a thing. It's so, especially in Portland right now, it's like mm-hmm. there's a really big vinyl culture here. But um, yeah, make sure you get good speakers for it, though. Oh yes, absolutely. Otherwise, it's kind of pointless. I think a lot yeah. of people miss out on that. They just get like whatever Amazon turntable they can find, and it's like, well, well, the point though, <laughs> you know, like do like ten minutes of research on this, please. Not not you, but just absolutely no. I was like, yeah, otherwise you yeah. got some of the sounds of the seventies or the eighties, and some of those were not great, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, there's a reason why we didn't just keep listening to vinyl in terms of sound quality. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So funny. Uh, but yeah, pre-orders are a big deal. So yes, I yeah. definitely encourage listeners to like. Check you out on Spotify and YouTube and then pre-order because pre-ordering kind of um, albums is so important. And just like you said, it gives you an idea of what the demand is out there. Mm -hmm. And and right now, everything takes longer to make, um, including vinyl, sounds like. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has been so fun. I'm so grateful. I would love to talk to you about new and future projects so please keep gender stories in mind for your future kind of albums but for now i'm just so excited about this album and uh, dear listeners please go and get rascal miles album it's gonna be so good pre-order it go listen to him uh, all the links are in the episode description but yeah for now thank you so much for joining gender stories today i so appreciated you thank you so much you're my new best friend Excellent. I love that. I feel like this is part of why I do a podcast. I get to meet all the cool trans people. This is so cool. Oh my gosh. I'm like jealous of your job now. I know, right? You should do a podcast. I tell you, it's not that difficult. Like all right. I actually I do have a few ideas. I'm excited. See, see, yeah. that's that's you got a little bonus there, listeners. Yeah. But you know that it's actually true. I've made so many amazing friends doing this podcast. So I would recommend it. Awesome. Cool. Well, hang out with me if you're ever in Portland. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, I'll stop recording. And dear listeners, cool. thank you again for listening to another episode of Gender Stories. I appreciate you. And also thank you for your patience throughout the pandemic with the irregularity of episodes release. I'm so grateful that you're all kind of sticking with the podcast and listening to it and recommending it to friends and, and the audience keeps growing. So thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and of course, um, doing all the things you do to support the podcast, including my Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. You're kind of my steadfast base. Um, and I really appreciate you. Woo.